Hello, and welcome to another Modest Conversation. I'm here with my old friend, Oren. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Great to have you. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about? I want to talk about the uh, um, the what you knows and the who you knows of the world. Okay. So, Tee it up for us. So there's, there's the saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Okay. And we a lot of us learned that saying when we were growing up. Um, and... Uh, my thesis is that that was true until about 10 years ago, and that it is no longer true. And today, while, while who you know is still very important, it's actually more important to be a what you know than a who you know. So that is like an extremely contrarian thesis. That's a, yeah. So certainly, so if we take, go back in like in time. Okay. So like back in the day, a few thousand years ago, it was certainly better to be a what you know. Sure. Right. So you, you had to know to do a whole bunch of things. If you didn't know to do them, you just weren't going to be survived. You were screwed. You didn't you were, know how to make fire. You were not going to survive. Exactly. So there were a lot of things you, you needed to know how to do. Yeah. And then at some point, maybe the Renaissance, hard to, hard to mark exactly the point. It became better or at least better to be a who you know. And just like to take back what, what is a who you know? So a who you know is essentially somebody that puts two what you knows together and then takes a vig. Okay. Right? And so who you're a market maker in connector. You're in connecting. People. Yeah. Yeah. So who, you know, that would be like a real estate broker. Sure. Um, that would be a, re- a recruiter. It would be an investment banker. Um, it, it, it would be a, a corporate lawyer. Uh-huh. Um, if you think of like most of the great professions to be, um, over the last 50 years, they were the who, you know, professions. Yep. Um, and the, and so, and then at some point, like maybe the Renaissance, it just became better to be a who you know. And certainly, let's say in the eighties, maybe even the nineties, we we're in peak who you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's all this about who you knows are really good in a couple of different environments. So they're, they're great. Like when capital is scarce, yep. they're really good when information is hoarded. Right. Um, and they're also really good when finding like the appropriate contact is really, really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my experience of this is, you know, my father was like an investment banker in like the seventies and eighties. Yeah. Right. Great thing to be. And it was yeah. interesting because like, you know, you think about the trajectory of investment banking, its rise. And I would argue like relative decline over the last bunch of years. And like, I remember like when they were, when my dad was a banker, you know, they were trying to connect capital, right? And yeah. big companies to small companies. And the thing is, no one even knew who the small companies were. Like, you know, they had to like actually go out and like they go and like meet random entrepreneurs. It's much more of like a feature of saying like the market was not there for them to make. And that obviously has changed pretty dramatically with the internet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even like Starbucks when it was going public, if you hear these stories or Nike when it was yeah. going public, like a lot of people didn't even, never even like heard of them. Yeah. Uh, that would never happen today of like a big public offering or right. something, right? Um, and yeah, if you think of like Jim Wolfenson, who is like this amazing connector, yeah. uh, like the kind of archetypal like investment banker, yeah. uh, these things were incredibly needed and they're still important. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but information is not as scarce a- 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 anymore. S- capital is not as scarce. Um, much easier to find sure. things. So in this new world, uh, being a who you know is less important than, than potentially being a what you know. Now, the other thing to think about is there's all these things written about how computers are attacking the what you knows. Mm-hmm. Almost every article about how computers are attacking professions are about how computers attack what you knows. Right. Um, 
So the and, London cabbies, for instance, right? I think sure. Would be a good example. That would or be like, a great example. That they, yeah. for, for generations, you had to pass the, what was it, the knowledge? That, that test, right? Yes, and exactly. it, was called the, it was in the knowledge of like even how to get around London yeah. and how GPS has like basically destroyed that as a, as a, as a proprietary value. Great example. But what no, not enough people are writing about is that the computers are attacking the who you knows way, way, way faster. Yeah. Uh, if you think about Google search or LinkedIn or myriad of other services, they're way better. Like they're just orders of magnitude better than, than the old who you knows. And so the, the, the who you knows are getting attacked so much faster than the what you knows, uh, by, by computers that st- not, not uh, still think being a who you know is important and will always be important. And having a network is incredibly important, all those other things. But if I was giving advice today to, let's say, a 16 year old, I definitely would say, Hey, focus much more on a what you know than a who you know. So. I love the, the framework and the idea. I mean, the thing that I'm, I'm thinking about in my head as you're speaking is, is two things. One is I think about like the networks that you and I operate in and something like that, where they're pretty insular, right? This would be the thing I'd say. Yeah. It's like, you know, I think about like, and maybe this is just me, but I don't think it is, right? Like I still, I feel like do a ton of business with. Um, and I'm very close to and deeply trust. I think this might be my question. My is, is it who you know versus who you trust? Um, with like people I've known since I was 20. Yeah. Right. Um, since college. Yeah. Right. And those are networks and relationships that are built over time. And it's not, um, it, it's an interesting thing to me because I think about like, what, are, you know, what do I know versus who do I know? And like, how do these things fit together? And, and I think of it more as like, who do I trust? And that's still a really scarce thing to build. Absolutely. The, the question isn't, isn't, is that important? Cause of yeah. course it's super important. The question is, is it more important today than it was 30 years ago? Fair. And will be it more important 30 years from now than it is today? Yeah. So I, I still think it's, it, it, the, these networks and, and who you know and who you trust are incredibly important. It's just, a, it's just declining currency. Sure. So what's an, what's an appreciating currency then? Because I would argue those are two currencies, both of which are important and will remain important, but might be relatively declining. Do you have a sense of like, are there any currencies you think that are increasing in this world? I, I think knowing, I think being like really great and knowing a particular, a particular thing or particular or, or join of two things. Mm-hmm. So you know a lot about music and you know a lot about biology and somehow you come up with these like interesting things because right. you can, you can do a join there and you you become this like super great expert you might not be the the leader in music and you might not be the leader in biology but you're the leader in the join right so there um, is still some dis- scarce information or knowledge that by being deep in both networks and you end up with a, a, a unique set of knowledge or a unique perspective that no one else has and the problem is before the who you knows they were always getting vigged out. Yeah. And so they never were able, in some cases, they, they, they were able to, to be appreciated, you know, in many times they're getting appreciated, but they were getting, they were getting appreciated less than they should be. Sure. Uh, because they were, uh, hard to surface and they're hard to find. Mm-hmm. Today, it's much easier to find a who you know. Yeah. And you can go direct to them. And, and so if you think of like, if you think of the investment banking, which I thought was a really, really good example. So if you think of investment banking versus hedge fund manager, mm-hmm. the hedge fund manager is much more what you know than a, than a who you know. And, um, and so, and if you think like in, in the eighties, the, the investment banker was kind of the preeminent person by like the mid two thousands, the hedge fund manager was the preeminent of the two. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I wonder, 
mean, think about it. I just keep coming back to this concept as we're thinking a lot about this, about like, who do you trust? Right. And like, I think about like, I'm reading a book right now that I'm pretty obsessed with called like the invention of news. I keep mentioning it in various. Oh, really? Okay. It's it's an incredible book. And the basic, it's a history of effectively the news industry back like the last 2000 years. Oh my God. Um, Okay. I have to read this. Sounds awesome. Incredible. And the thing that's super cool about it is basically it, it's the, the same old story to some degree, which is, Every time, nothing's new. So, like, this whole uh-huh. idea that we're in a, a new era of, like, fake news. Uh-huh. It turns out that, like, basically every time a technology is created of any sort, including the printing press, you go through this massive wave where, like, the popular media or the popular narrative gets incredibly out of sync with reality because it's not the most salacious or engaging stuff. Yep. But then the elites reject that or react by basically circling the wagons and creating a bunch of high-priced private sources of their own knowledge yes right and so there's this interesting thing with the internet you think even more broadly about like how is even information changing right we're certainly in a period right now where you make the argument the internet was this great new technology maybe not as different as other great new technologies before them as we'd like to pretend but still yeah. a huge deal absolutely right and you go through a bubble where effectively with this new technology and the type of content that performs or is monetized on it, you end up with like feeling like all of a sudden there's all this brand new open knowledge, right? But actually, like you're ending up with a skew to it. And there actually is still a huge amount of private knowledge, private relationships, market makers that like have to be reemerged, right? Or do reemerge. I, I like one, one angle I'm thinking about this a lot in terms of right now is like cryptocurrencies. Yeah. Right. We're like, there's a lot of fascinating stuff going on. Absolutely. Right. What is actually going on? You can't read about it anywhere, right? Like that's the information just isn't there. There's a whole new generation of private information sources and opinions, and who do you actually trust? That's evolving. So, I mean, the the thing there's a little ramble, but I wonder how much it's cyclical. It actually is somewhat out there. It's just hard to. It's it's sometimes hard to surface, right? um, Because a lot of elites or a lot of the 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 networks that we you know you might trust aren't always good at surfacing some of those core things that are out there. So, so it is out there. Well, I guess it depends how you think about out there. Like, and this goes into like a pretty esoteric question of like, what is content versus information versus knowledge and like, yeah. how do you think about this stuff the fact that it's written somewhere the question is how do you assign a trust coefficient to it right um and we've gone through like there was the era of like the new york times is a super trust node right and like and think and like or, or different people are I, I just wonder how much I, I understand the thesis and i think it's an interesting one and i think there are certain markets again you think about like london cabbies or even yeah. better my favorite example is japanese cabbies Right, like Tokyo, you right. know how Tokyo is set up. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Right, it's like you have a street, and rather than the buildings being numbered by their order in the street, they're numbered by the year they're built. So one and two can be all the way across town. I mean, if you were a cabbie in Tokyo before the in advent of like GPS, like you had an incredibly proprietary knowledge set, right? So it's funny because have gone. you read Anti Fragile? Uh, I haven't. I've right. heard so of it. his, I mean, it was unfortunately it was a bad. It was, it was a great book, but the one, the core example he gives of something that's, that's, that's a really good profession to be is, is a London cab driver. <laughs> um, so he didn't actually like think through all the technology there. Right. But it's just interesting because there's clearly things where like effectively the knowledge becomes so popularly understood that knowing it is no longer valuable. That's right. Right. But the question is, is like, is it a cyclical thing? Like, are we just going to go through another wave effectively where there's a whole other class of knowledge that actually is valuable and so much of our market attention and relationships and where the value is created 
shifts into that realm, right? Where there isn't, you still do need like people as market makers and you still do need uh, new types of information that aren't easy to get at. I, I think for sure you do. Yeah. Um, so the, the question is, do you, do you need it as much as you used to yeah. or do you need it less than you do? Yeah. Uh, and so, so I think that's the kind of tension yeah, totally. that's out there. That's very interesting. So I'm trying to think about because, you know, if, if you were hypothetically, of course, like being extremely selfish and had this insight, what do you do? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know that you do anything that if you weren't, you know, <laughs> selfish or anything. But do you, if, if you think of like Ted, right? Sure. Ted is this elite network of people, but there, there is some sort of proprietary content you get in the back room of right. going to TED. Right. Um, but the core content today is available to any English speaking person in the world and, and basically really not even English, you know, with all the translators right. that are out there. If you define the core content as what gets presented on stage. That's right. Yeah. That's right. A lot of people go to TED. I don't go to TED, but a lot of people who I know go to TED would argue that like, you don't do that, right? Like that's the right. actual content is the private content. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so the, and, and you could have a scenario where, um, you know, you, you may have a scenario where you, you, you know, somebody who's very private, they're not writing about it and you have this like proprietary information or yeah. something so that you can get like, you know, some super smart person like George Soros or something. And you're yeah. getting this like, uh, proprietary content that they're not writing about. And, and I think there, there's, there's tons of value of having that. Yeah. Um, and so you're always, you're the, the one, the thing about these connectors, these who you knows is they actually became what you knows. Yeah. Because they, because they're sitting at the they had all point. this proprietary content sure. that they actually ended up knowing more than yeah. most people. And, um, and so that's part of the reason they were so valuable wasn't actually just because they were who you knows is that they actually, be, because they're who you knows, they became these well, old, the, I mean, uber what you knows. That's right. I mean, basically the point is, is that if you, I mean, maybe to phrase it differently, think, tell me if you think this is right or not. It's like knowing something, but not having the access to share it or monetize it with other people who will value it is of limited value. Right. Yeah. Cause you can only use it yourself and that's yes. fine. Yeah. But like in most illiquid markets, using it yourself isn't that powerful. Yep. If you both effectively, and this goes, I mean, you can think about even companies this way, know something or have something and have the distribution for it, then whether or not you're monetizing it directly or monetizing it by trading it for other information, People which then you're you smart know, or, yeah. or whatever yeah. it may be, yeah. like that's the true value point. And so actually maybe this just means that in our modern world, I mean, I think about this now in terms of like companies. It's like we were talking a moment ago about like, you know, large web platforms where it's like you might have great data, but you need great data and great distribution, right? Yes. The data alone is actually not that valuable. Yeah. Right? Yep. You might argue with that. But, <laughs> but, yeah. but I, I, um, that's a very interesting way to think about it. So you basically, I think one of my takeaways from this conversation is just thinking about more how do you match knowledge and distribution. Well, and just if you just accumulation of knowledge is really important um, and continuing to learn is really important. And I don't, I think it was much easier to do that as a, what, you know, sure. uh, 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 um, uh, sorry, who, you know, in the past mm -hmm. today, you can just surf the internet 
And you, do you read like Slate Star Codex? Or, Not really, you know, but I know it's fantastic, right? Yeah. And so it's, I have no idea who this guy is, but yeah. he's just like this super well-read guy. Yeah. Um, who's probably not, uh, who you know, like, I don't even know if he talks to anybody, but <laughs> he's like super well-read and super interesting, comes up with these really interesting kind of takes on the world. And partially, it's sometimes easier to come up with these takes if you're a who you know, it's, it's sometimes hard to think originally about right. stuff. Um, and so everything you think about, whereas if you're, if you're what you know and you're a little bit kind of there in your cabin somewhere, yeah. you can come up with a lot more original thoughts about yeah. things. So it's kind of like how, I mean, yeah. original thoughts are, are maybe there's a premium also happening on these original Well, originality thoughts. in general, I think is, is now the ultimate premium. Yeah. Right. Like I, the advice I sometimes give people, not that I'm asked that frequently, but when someone has silly enough to ask me, like young people, are like what to do, I'm always just like, Fine. It actually literally doesn't matter what you do anymore so long as you're doing it excellently because That's the correct. internet is so big and the world is so big at this point that if there's something you love and you're passionate about, there is almost certainly enough other people in the world to support you in doing it so long as you're great at it. Yeah, that's right. And it's right. hard to define what great is. You yeah. have to be in the top X, you know, number of folks at it. Right. Um, and so they're, they're, they're still made in that, in that selfish view. You may, you also have to predict the future because you have to figure out what everyone else is going to go do. Right. And so if like, if no one else is going to, you know, maybe I'm an okay basketball player if no one else goes out for it. But if everybody else competes with me, I'm, I'm not going to be great at it. So right. you have to also understand your own, uh, you know, what, yeah, you're what, good what at you are and, best at. Exactly. But finding the thing that, again, like focusing on a niche or figuring out something you can know that no one else. I mean, this is kind of what information is fundamentally only valuable if it's scarce, right? Like yes. you have to, if you're the only one that knows the price of Walmart tomorrow at noon, that is basically priceless. It's actually much more valuable now than it was 50 years ago because now you can work with leverage, right? You can do a lot more yep. to monetize your own knowledge. If everyone knows it, it's clearly worthless, right? And there's like a curve associated with that. Well, and, and in fact, it's actually even better if most people don't even, most they, you could tell them it and they don't believe it. Yeah. Then it's really well, valuable. This goes to the trust thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is basically, but uniqueness as it's, I feel like it's always been this way, but maybe just even more intense now is just extremely valuable as long as you can use the uniqueness. Somehow you have to figure out what's true and not have anyone believe you. Right. That you figured out what's true. Right. Um, and, um, and so you, that, that, that truth is the most valuable truth you can come to. And I think so as long a, as you can stay solvent long enough. That's right. right. That's <laughs> right. And, and I think as a who you know, it's much harder to end up with that truth because just by the dint of someone being a good who you know, they tend to be somebody who gets along with people and yeah. all these other types of things. And, and, and and they're more agreeable and it'll tend to be much more much more difficult for them to come up with original things. Yeah. Although it's interesting because I think there's another way. I mean, I th would consider, I think myself a, a who you know. Like I consider myself a connector. I know lots of people. I think I'm mostly agreeable. But I also like, I mean, you can tell me if you disagree with that, but like <laughs> I try to be. Um, but it's interesting because I also strongly believe in like trying to pick a, f a small number of things where you aggressively bet against everyone else on. Yeah. Right. So like in the middle of Silicon Valley, right? Like I like aggressively bet right now against AI. Uh -huh. <laughs> right. And I might be wrong. I might be right. But I think yeah. that like in order to do anything interesting, you have to make 
one or two big anti bets based on the information you have. Yeah. Is that harder if you're a connector? Yes. Maybe. It's harder. That doesn't mean you can't do it. Yeah. And you can have the discipline and to, to do it, but you know, you will be less likely to be fed it at the parties. You'll be less likely to be invited to things that are very important to being a connector. Yeah. If you start to go against it. And in some ways, if you go against AI, then you know, whatever, but, but if you actually go against something that's more of a sacred cow. Yeah. Um, so and, like, what's a sacred cow that you could go against in Silicon Valley? Um, Well, you could be like aggressively against you, like for instance, um, uh, if you were really for saying, if you really f- said something like, "All venture venture capitalists don't add value, <laughs> right? It's just money." Yeah. Right. Um, and so I mean, there's um, a lot of people that will say that under their breath. That's right. That's right. Um, but that that's not going to win you a lot of friends. Fair. Um, and a lot of powerful people in Silicon Valley are venture capitalists or tied to venture capitalists. Yep. And so there's a few people, um, like maybe like Naval Ravikant who are, who kind of, who do, who, who, who do propose that, that theory. Um, and, um, but I, I think it's, it's extremely rare, even though maybe a lot of people maybe actually believe it, but they don't propose it. Yeah. So I wonder if part of it is, is that if you're going to be, a connector or who, you know, in, in your parlance, um, or ideally you're kind of, you, you fancy yourself both to some degree, but like, you know, whatever you're in that position is you have to have like sufficient either fortitude or strength to be able to make some of those assertions like being, or put differently, tell me if you think, again, yes. I'm off course here, but it's like, whatever you do, you just don't want to be weak, right? Like being a, uh, like a weak connector who can't, stay a connector by making an aggressively contrarian bet, right? Or being a weak, you know, like is, is a, is a tougher place to be. It used to be that there was a long tail of value in being a connector. Even if you weren't like the strongest connector in the world, just being a connector was valuable. Whereas now like a lot of other things you just have to being the absolute best is still valuable and affords you Great access and the ability, if you have, you know, the perspective on it to do extreme things, but being in the middle is like a, you don't want to be the third best investment banker. Yeah. Being the first best is still pretty good. Yeah. Being the third best is still quite good. Yeah. So you never, you don't want to be <laughs> the 300 best or something, yeah, right. right? But the, it will, there's a skill. I mean, I certainly don't have this skill, but it, there's a skill where like people for that I know people have where just people just like them. Yeah. And they're just super likable people and everywhere they go, like everyone likes them. That is still incredibly valuable skill to have. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so I wouldn't like poo poo that skill. And if they have no other skill, they will do incredibly well in this world just because they have that one skill. Yeah. Right. Um, and you see all these people who are like incredibly successful and really their main skill is that people like them. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, uh, and, and so I, I certainly wouldn't counsel people to, if they, if they were, if they were predisposed to that skill. Don't be unlikable on purpose. Yeah. Well, or <laughs> I think it might be okay if you were, if you're just not predisposed to that. Most of us are not predisposed to that skill. Yeah. But if you happen to be one of those lucky people that are born and you just l- kind of lead a charm life and you can be predisposed to like everybody liking you. Take advantage of that. You yeah. don't have to be contrarian. You don't have to be all those other types of things. Um, 
and um to 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 you know just just go with the fact that everybody likes you yeah, yeah. but for the rest of us that aren't there then i think you have to then you have to kind of think about you have to strategize a yeah, little bit yeah where do you more. want to be in the matrix yeah and it sounds like you basically want to be extreme and know something <laughs> yeah and you well you want to be right i, I don't think it's always good to be extreme you want to be right if yeah. you're extreme and right that's the best. Yeah. Um, but extreme and not right is, is just marketing. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, and so it's like no sense being like the world is flat if the world is round. Right. right? Unless you take the um, opinion that the world is probably both flat and round. You just have to wait long enough. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, it's like no, no sense being like they faked the moon landing unless it was actually true. Right. right. Um, and so. Although Trump would maybe take issue with that framework as a person. Well, well, well. So you you there there can be a brand of being extreme, which could be potentially a very successful brand, but it becomes a much more marketing for sure. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think in, I think in generally, if you really want to be successful, there could still could be some outliers who are super successful as just being extreme and wrong. Um, but but it's much better to be right for sure. Or just make lots of bets. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That could be true too. And people won't <laughs> that's a, remember. That's another way to yeah, be right eventually. Yeah. yeah. Right? People won't remember. They'll only remember the ones you are right on. I could, I would name some people who have that syndrome and do it well. Yes, um, exactly. Very cool. Well, dude, this was a fun conversation. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you yeah, very man. much. We'll yeah, do another one soon. Yeah. Yeah. We got to end with a high five.